The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the program. Here, great to everybody along. We're having a little bit of trouble with one of our cameras here. So we will fix that uh, during our break. So just bear with us. But anyway, we've got a great show for you tonight. We've got another one that will be talking about ghosts and paranormal investigating and haunted locations. Kitsy Duncan will be our guest tonight. Kitsy is a paranormal investigator, a podcaster, and an author. She's the producer and host of a show called The Oddity Files, which is on Amazon Prime. And she's also an author of a book called I'd Rather Talk to Dead People. And she has a podcast of the same name, The Oddity Files. So we'll have a great conversation with her. Really looking forward to that. I do want to take a second and thank uh, our good friend, Jim Heflin, who became a Patreon supporter recently, and I didn't get a chance to thank him. Thank you, Jim, for doing that. By the way, what happens with Patreon, it gives people an opportunity to support the program. We have very little in the way, in some, many cases, none, no advertising whatsoever uh, to support the program. So it's all done through things like Patreon or the Super Chats or, um, you know, there are other ways that people can support uh, the show. So we appreciate everyone who does that. And more importantly, or equally important, is that we appreciate you being here with us tonight. So like I said, we'll get this uh, camera thing fixed in just a moment. Sorry about that. Again, these computer uh, issues that we've been dealing with here, it all came on like a tidal wave, and we've been trying to sort through them one at a time. This one's new, but this one is as a result of everything else we've been doing the last couple of days in our effort to fix things. So just give us a minute, and we'll get that all figured out for you. Anyway, um, what else do we have to talk about? We need you to subscribe. Of course, that's a very important way to support the show. You can subscribe to us on YouTube by follow, following uh, 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 JV Johnson. Just go to the channel and find it. Just hit subscribe. It's very simple. And then you can also find us on Twitch. Twitch following is free, but a subscription is uh, a fee-based thing unless you connect the channel to your Amazon Prime account, in which case there is no uh, fee whatsoever. You just connect the two, but you have to renew that every month or it will expire. So again, Twitch or YouTube or both, because we do different things in there. And most people know that on the weekend we do uh, some special programming on the Twitch channel that we don't do on the YouTube channel, kind of keep those things separate. So anyway, we will go to break. We'll fix the camera and we will also begin our conversation with Kitsy Duncan tonight. Again, Kitsy is a paranormal investigator, a podcaster and an author, host of the TV show Oddity Files and author of the book. I'd rather be talking. I'd rather talk to dead people. So we've got a lot to chat about tonight. It's Beyond Reality, and we will be right back. Don't go away. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself... What is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And we are very excited about tonight's program. Anytime we get a chance to talk about paranormal investigating and haunted locations and that whole paranormal journey, we get excited because that's kind of where our roots are. And uh, we love talking about it. And tonight is going to be one of those nights. Our guest tonight, Kitsy Duncan, is a paranormal investigator, a podcaster, and an author. She's the producer and the host of a show called The Oddity Files on Amazon Prime. And she's the author of a book called I'd Rather Talk to Dead People, My Journey as a Paranormal Investigator Researcher. And Kitsy, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's a real pleasure to have you here tonight. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. This is exciting. And one of the things I love talking to people who do this uh, regularly, um, one of the things I love asking them is how it got started for them. Now, you say that you're kind of a late bloomer to the paranormal field. So how did it become a part of uh, your life? So I, I grew up terrified and through my 20s into my 30s, terrified of paranormal ghosts. I totally blame the movie Poltergeist. I think I was like 12-ish <laughs> when the movie came out, and it scarred me. I'm not going to lie. I think but it, now, I think it, Kitsy, I think it did that for a lot of people. <laughs> but now it's what makes me want to do this. It's the most bizarre thing. But anyway, 
So my dad, who was actually my stepdad, but he raised me, so he's daddy. Sure. He um, passed away at a, suddenly at an early age of 53. And after he passed, you know, there were no goodbyes. There was no closure. Yeah. Yeah. But I kind of felt like he was there with me sometimes. And I'm like, okay, am I crazy? Is this really a thing? So I started watching paranormal TV shows on cable. And I, I was always that girl. No, I'm not going to watch that stuff. That's terrifying. I saw a commercial for, remember the Kling brothers back oh, absolutely. in the day? Yeah, Barry and um, I'm trying to remember the other one. Barry, I know Barry. Yeah, sure. I know them both. Yes, of course. Yeah, but they were yelling at the ghosts. So yep. I'm like, oh, well, you know, if I get scared, I can just yell at them and everything would be okay. Well, I mean, that's not the way it works, but that's what got me okay with the world of the paranormal, so to speak. So I drank in every paranormal show I could watch after that because I'm like, okay, they can't kill you. There's not a lot of maiming or injuries going on. There's a lot of lights flashing, and that's about it. So I looked into all that, researched it on the Internet, and then I had some friends that had a paranormal team, and they invited me along, and I was like, well, sure. And I walked into this notoriously haunted location. Unfortunately, it's no longer standing. But I, I, I walked in and I felt home. Does that make sense? It, you, you walked into a haunted location and you felt like you were at home? Is that what you just said? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Okay. I felt very calm, very at home. I mean, yeah, it felt haunted, but I, I, wasn't, I didn't want to run out screaming. I didn't feel like they were going to possess me the moment I walked in the door. So I stayed that night. I, I, before we went, I got one of those cool cameras that can film in the dark. Mm-hmm. And as the night went on, it was great until one of the investigators yelled up the stairs, come at me, bro. And that's when I realized that team wasn't for me. Uh, yeah, that provoking stuff is, is a... Um... It's a controversial way to to do this kind of investigating, but I want to go back to a couple things you said. First of all, I really like the fact that you pointed out that nobody has been, at least that we're aware of. Now, we have to put a bit of a grain of salt into this statement. Allegedly. Nobody's nobody's died from this. You know, ghosts don't necessarily attack and, as you said, maim people. Most... uh, Injuries as a result of this come from people stumbling in the dark somewhere, uh, you know, tripping Literally. over something, right? So um, I'm glad you said that because I often, you know, when people say, well, why aren't you afraid of these things? And that's one of the things that I cite. It's, you know, who, get, name someone. The head, last time you saw a headline, ghost kills a person in their apartment. I mean, I just it just doesn't happen that way. No, not at all. And they don't suck you into the TV like they did Carol Ann. Right. So there you go. <laughs> right. So, but going back to your your upbringing, you said you know you always had a fear of this stuff, and and from what I can tell about um, you know some of the research I did about your work, you uh, you're a horror movie fan as well, right? Yes. Yes. As long as it's like suspenseful mm-hmm. and n- not too gory. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I don't like the gore stuff. I like the psychological horror. The more you know. Um, less is more kind of approach to uh, horror exactly. films. Yeah. Um, I was a huge fan of the Paranormal Activity series. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't, but I, I like the jump scare. Oh, I, I like that, and I really, really like the Blair Witch Project, which a lot of people didn't, but I think that was a really innovative film, and I thought it was really terrific. Um, but your child, you didn't have any paranormal experiences growing up, is that right? So I, I did, actually, but I, I kind of blocked it out and blamed it on my overactive imagination. I grew up in the house in the neighborhood where the kids walked by and said, oh, that's the haunted house. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a, an experience after a Ouija board session. It wasn't demonic. It wasn't anything terrifying. It just talked in my ear and scared me to death. Um, and that's when I'm like, absolutely no paranormal stuff till I was in my 30s. <laughs> so that was after an Ouija board Correct. Session. Right. But I opened the door. Yeah. So... They have, just figured I wanted to talk, apparently. Have you fooled with the Ouija board since? Absolutely. You have. You're one. See, yes. this, this, two, people fall into two different camps here. It's either they have no problem with it and they'll use it, or they, will not, they won't even touch it with a 10-foot pole, and they'd rather burn it in the backyard. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how I was after my first Ouija board session, not going to lie. But I, I don't see it as any other kind of different paranormal equipment than using a K2 meter or mm-hmm. the dowsing rods or anything like that. 
Would you say that before you had that epiphany, after the loss of your stepfather, um, and you decided you wanted to get some answers, at that point, would you say that you were a believer, a skeptic, uh, didn't fall on either one of those sides? Where were you with an opinion on this whole topic? Oh, I was a believer, and that's why I was terrified. You were Because I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, you were convinced at that point that there was something going on. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you get the heat. Sometimes, you know, you're walking up your stairs in the middle of the night. You just get those heebie-jeebies and run up the stairs a little faster. Yeah, yeah. I think we've all experienced that. So you lost, obviously, somebody very close to you, and that kind of flipped a switch for you. You wanted some answers. First of all, I'm sorry uh, the tragic and early loss of your stepfather. That's, you know, that's a horrible thing to begin with. But I can understand how that might uh, create a thirst for some answers. Yes, I, I wanted to know he was okay, and that there there was something other than sitting in a box. Do you mind if I ask if you've gotten, you know, apart from your just general paranormal investigating, as it relates specifically to the loss of your stepfather, have you been able to communicate with him in any way? Have you gotten anything uh, from him that you're, you know, has offered some kind of solace to you? I have not personally, but I know one of the best spirit mediums out there. Her name is Tiffany Rice. And one night we were hanging out and she's like, let's do a reading. And I'm like, okay. And yes, he's very happy. I'm on this path and he's proud of me and, and he wants me to keep going with it. So yes, I did get some closure. So that must through be, this yeah, journey. that must be comforting for you. I mean, it has to oh, be. Yeah. But it didn't, it didn't in any way uh, lessen your curiosity about the paranormal. Oh, gosh, no, no, not at all. It, it made it uh, more of a curiosity, if anything else. Why do you think you're fascinated by it, as so many people are? I think it's just, it's you have to think outside of the box to even want to take this path. And that's my thing. I, I, I don't want to be, you know, the average woman sipping a latte and a scarf with some Ugg boots on, you know, I, I am different and this helps me express myself. But honestly, the more I do it, it's more about telling these stories that these spirits have to tell me. It's a a thirst to find the next story and the next spirit who's willing to share with me or, um, connect with me. We're going to have to get into some details, of course we will, about how these stories come through to you through these investigations. But before we get into that, why do you think so many people have a, I guess what I would consider to be an innate fear of paranormal encounters with ghost spirits or anything like that? Why does that fear exist in us, do you think? I think it's just because it's the unknown. Um, It's movies. It's TV shows, uh, it, it's meant to be scary. Um, we're, we're taught growing up that it's scary. Well, most people are, not everybody is. Right. But I think it's just the fear of the unknown. And I think that's another thing that draws me to it is it is the unknown, and I, I want to know. I noted one of the things that you said along this path that you have learned to talk to the dead. When you say you've learned to talk to the dead, is that in a paranormal investigative sense? Or are you talking about as, as like a medium would talk to the dead? A little bit of both. I Come to find out, I've, I've got some abilities. My superpowers, wow. if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, when did you discover that? Um, so I was on an investigation in a abandoned school that they had cleaned up and opened up for investigations. And I was walking through a hallway on a tour with another spirit medium. And all of a sudden I walked down this hallway and just fell to my knees, was super dizzy all of a sudden and couldn't breathe. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying in this abandoned school. Mm. So I call, she calmed me down a little bit. And she's like, have you, are you an empath? And I'm like, what is an empath? And she told me, and she's like, well, I think you might be one because you just walked through a portal, and it doesn't affect everybody like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's been a part of this whole journey as well. How long ago did that happen? Uh, pretty early on. I'd say about a year and a half into this whole thing. And you've been doing all of this for, what, 12 years, did I see? 
Yeah. Something along those yeah. lines? Yeah. Okay. So the, you, you, you came to the realization you had these sensitivities pretty early on, and I imagine that has helped you considerably as you've uh, pursued all of these things, including uh, investigations with the oddity files and, and all the other uh, paranormal work you've been doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, don't get me wrong. I call it my crazy because when we're on an investigation and I hear something or see something that my crew doesn't, I sound crazy. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. So, but when the evidence in turns backs up what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing, and I don't see or hear things everywhere. It's just when they choose, which again, right. makes it seems even more crazy. But when the evidence backs it up, it's so rewarding and I feel a little less crazy. Did you, uh, when you started investigating, you gave us an anecdote, anecdote uh, early in the conversation here. You talked about investigating with a group that began provoking. Uh, was that your first investigation? And doesn't whether it was or not, how did you decide at the point you did decide to begin investigating? It was actually my very first investigation. And I... I one, he just looked like an idiot. I'm not going <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. And, you know, the more I've learned and the more investigations I do, mm-hmm. if I walk in, if somebody walked into my house and yelled at my stairs, come at me, bro, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd be ticked off, too. And, and you know, you see these investigators that allegedly get scratched and pushed and things like that. I'm sure it's a ghost that's mad you're in their place of work or where they lived or things like that, and you're yelling at them. You don't see the nice, peaceful, hippie chicks like myself getting pushed downstairs or scratched or things like that. So I learned over time to treat these spirits like I would somebody I meet in real life that that has a human form, you know, that's alive on this earth. You, you, you wouldn't walk into somebody's house that's alive and start yelling at them. It's just not the way it should be done. That's my theory as well. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense, and I would agree with you there. But when do, how, how did you decide to start investigating? What I mean, it's one thing to be curious about it. It's another thing to go into a dark, in many cases, abandoned building um, and you know, with a flashlight and uh, some type of video camera and start to try to collect evidence. So when I, I went off on my own... I, First and foremost, it's the adrenaline rush of it all. When something goes down or when you get that piece of evidence, even if if the group you're with isn't your kind of people, it's exhilarating. Sure. So I went ahead and went on an investigation on my own as lead investigator. Not long after that school, I brought a friend and my husband. It was Ferry Plantation out in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Fortunately, our day job for travel. Well, when we had it, the pandemic kind of put the kibosh on that. But anyway, um, I saw a head-to-toe spirit on my very first invest solo investigation, oh, wow. and I was hooked after that. So I'm like, I need more. I need more. I need more. There are people that go many, many years without getting that kind of results, you know, a full-bodied apparition. Why do you think that you were able to find that the first time out? Do you think it had anything to do with your sensitivities? It could have. You know, I've never really thought about that question before. It it could be, you know, my superpower, my crazy, whatever you want to call it. It could be maybe the ghosts were trying to encourage me. I don't know, but it was magical. It was this little girl who kind of peeked around the corner of a doorway, looked at me, and had the prettiest little smile. She had long, curly hair in period clothing of, you know, Victorian times. And I was like, um, and I didn't know better at the time. I'm, right. I went running after her, you know? So I t- I go around this doorway, and it it's a dead end where she was. And I'm just freaking out in the best way possible. Of course, I had my camera pointing at the ground when I saw her. And <laughs> our joke to this day from my husband is, if you didn't get it on video, it didn't happen. But I know it happened. And I talked to the ladies who were running the museum. And they pulled out this scrapbook of all these drawings of what other people had seen when they investigated that location. And it was the exact same little girl. So that's when I I, I knew I wasn't that crazy. 
That is the curse of many paranormal investigators. And for some reason, it seems to happen to us all. The camera is always pointed in the wrong direction at the wrong time. If only we had a, if only we could all have a 360 degree camera that is filming everything at all times. It's really, it's really ironic how that happens. And I often wonder, is it actually intentional by the spirit that they're avoiding? You know, they, they recognize that that's happening. What do you think? I wouldn't doubt it. I, I now I I will say to this day I have gotten an amazing capture since then. But that that night I had one camera. Now I have five plus five GoPros. You know, I mean, it, I right. pretty much try to record absolutely every moment I can on an investigation. So, and you know, I was a newbie at that point as well. So you know, I'm walking out of a room. I'm going to point the camera down. I, I had the camera on, so you heard my reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get I tried. I'm like, well, maybe as you're bringing it down and going frame by frame. And no, it, it just wasn't there. So one of the questions that we're all trying to get answers to, but as someone who does this regularly, you might have an opinion on this. But what do you think ghosts or spirits actually are? Any Any conclusions or maybe just opinions on that? Yeah, it's it's a that's such a tough question. Now, residual hauntings, they're absolutely energy left behind. Those footsteps you hear every night at the same time. Like in my house, when I move, my residual energy of walking downstairs from my desk to the coffee pot back upstairs and back down and back upstairs will definitely be imprinted into this house. But I don't know because some spirits you you don't get any physical evidence, any touches or any visual evidence. Um, are those just energies? Here's here's an interesting thought that I've I've had for a while. What if only certain spirits can only do certain things? So you get the one spirit who only gives EVPs. Maybe that's what they learned to do over the years, so they're just sticking with it. And then maybe there's the overachiever ghost that learned the EVP. Then they go on to the touch. Then they're, you know, full-bodied apparitions. I don't know, but it's it's such hit or miss when you go to any location what the evidence you're going to get is. So learning curve maybe, I don't know, it's just a theory I've had. The, um, you know, the paranormal reality television shows, of one of which I was involved with for years, uh, opened this topic and these ideas to a lot of people, but do you think that they may give some people the wrong idea about what paranormal investigating is? Because I'm sure you know that uh, when you edit a night of investigating down to the highlights, you're leaving out hours and hours of absolutely nothing happening. Oh, yeah. Hours and hours and hours of sitting in the dark talking to yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. Um, because I, my first investigation, I'm like, oh, we're just going to sit here and be quiet. I thought everything happens all at once, and everybody's right. running around the house. And yeah, it's it's not quite as exciting as it seems on TV. But you're in a location. See, my show isn't where we spend a week at a location, mm-hmm. and you know, you've got the we literally pay for one night, just like all those amateur hobbyists out there. And we get everything we can in that one night. Like Bobby Mackey's, we had five hours. Talk about running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Yeah. And we got some of the most prominent prominent evidence ever at Bobby Mackey's. So, you know, some nights it is a crazy free-for-all where the spirits want to interact all night. And some nights, there was one location we were at, we had absolutely zero activity. Yep. So we're like, you know what? This is a cool hallway. Let's film um, interviews for in between the shots during the shows here tonight. Like we paid for it, so we might as well. Right. Your show, that of course, the one we're talking about, and we're going to be talking about your book, or we're going to be talking about your podcast and your other work as well, but the show we're talking about right now is The Oddity Files, which is on Amazon Prime. Tell us, if you had to offer a, a two- or three-sentence description of what The Oddity Files is, offer that to us. We are paranormal fanboys and girls that want to get the evidence, just like anybody else out there who, who does this on the side, but we get it. 
And what um, what made you decide to start a television show? I mean, that, again, you know, you, there are a lot of steps in between becoming curious about the paranormal and a lot of steps to doing your first investigation and then a lot more steps to get to the point where you say, hey, let's make a TV show about this. I'm a go big or go home kind of girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had cameras and I mean, I did it for years before we went ahead and, and did the actual Prime series where, mm-hmm. you know, every friend I've ever known wanted to go on an investigation. And sometimes we'd end up with 15 people there, and it's just too much. It's just way too much, and right. you can't focus on anything. So Clayton, who's my co-investigator on the show on Prime, said, why don't we just narrow it down to us and a cameraman? I'm like, I mean, it can't hurt. We'll have more control over what noises are happening while we're investigating. So we brought in my son as the cameraman who ended up being an investigator with us as well. His name is Carter. And our energy together brought us evidence we never anticipated getting. Even the very first time it was just the three of us, we got just crazy, crazy activity all night. So when did you start filming the show? How, How long ago did you start that? Um, that's an excellent question. I should know the answer to, I would have to guess about four years ago. How many seasons are available on Amazon prime? Three seasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're super short seasons, about six episodes each season. Mm -hmm. Obviously the show is called the oddity files. Um, the word oddity is significant there. Uh, there's no word, you know, you don't have the word paranormal in the title. Uh, was that deliberate? I mean, do you use the word oddity because of the approach you take and the things that you want to cover in the show? Yeah, it it just kind of covers everything. You know, if nothing were to happen, it could just be an odd night, you know, and it, it worked really well because we branched the podcast off that as well. And the podcast covers, you know, cryptids, aliens, everything creepy and other wise. Now, what I'd love to add some cryptid or even some of those fun little cryptid festivals to the show oddity files. Absolutely. We yeah. did in one of the episodes on there, we went to a big foot convention. That was a blast. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of covers everything. And I was having a really hard time coming up with a name for what I wanted to call us. So I went to the thesaurus and it came up. <laughs> and it's a little broader, as you said, it's broader than just paranormal. Um, although I yeah. think everything you mentioned does really, uh, by definition, fall into the paranormal. Cryptids do, aliens do. You yeah. know, it's all all part of the same big uh, category. Um, I want to talk a second, this is kind of off topic, but you mentioned uh, like looking into crypt- cryptids and Bigfoot. Uh, I find it's a lot more difficult to create entertaining entertainment on a Bigfoot hunt maybe than it is on a ghost hunt in a you know confined building. Um, when you're out in the woods, it's a lot harder to catch things, even just the, yeah. the, 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 you know, your crew and your team doing their work. It's just a lot more difficult. Oh, I agree. I actually uh, refuse to investigate the paranormal outside as well. There's just too, too many things that could go wrong. Yeah. One, I don't trust. I really would rather talk to dead people. I don't trust people. You don't know who's in there making sounds or whoops or whatever the Bigfoot makes, you know, so um, I think it's, yeah, in in, in the woods, it's going to be definitely harder to film actual evidence. Yeah. You um, already mentioned your uh, fellow team members uh, on the show, but again, tell us who they are. Um, There's two people that you go into these investigations with. Tell us their backgrounds and who they are. Absolutely. So Clayton Abbott, I had met through a haunted attraction. Uh, my husband and I used to have a company where we filmed commercials for haunted attractions, and I had met Clayton through that. Uh, he's, a, he's considered a friend of the family. And my youngest son, Carter Justice, he, God love him for coming along with mom to these creepy places and just hanging out with her, you know? I asked him, and he said, sure. <laughs> Do you mind if I ask how old he is? Carter's 25. How does he How does he like this paranormal stuff? Is it something that he had a natural interest in, or did you have to coax him? Yeah, I had to coax him. Um, now, when he's there, he loves it. He really does, and he gets into it. But 
you know, if, if I don't coax him, he's like, eh, you know, I'm good, mom. So <laughs> what is he, I mean, you've been doing this, what, I think you said three years. What, what does he think at this point? He's been doing it for a while. Um, he must've had some experiences and those experiences have to create a sense of curiosity too. Oh, absolutely. He's had some scary experiences where one point he thought he was possessed. I personally think it was the Burger King he ate for that (laughs) investigation and some heat stroke, but it scared him. And the funny thing through all this is he's got a little crazy in him, too, where Mm -hmm. he gets affected by the spirits and things like that. And I think over the years, the more often that happened, the more he was turned off by it, if that makes any sense. The more often that he experienced it, the more often he's experienced it, the the less he wanted to experience it? Correct. Correct. Because he'd be saying, he's like, Mom, I feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm like, honey, it's the crazy. It's fine. Just take a deep breath. You just got my crazy. And he's like, I don't want your crazy. (laughs) Is is each episode of The Oddity Files, does it focus on one location or do you have multiple locations in the episodes? I I watched one before uh, doing the program tonight and it was one location. Yes, everything is one location. I think there were two locations we broke into two episodes. But yes, one location, one night is kind of our our gig. And how do you select the sites that you're going to investigate for the program? Um, Things that are close to me so I can drive home that night Mm -hmm. uh, because there is no budget for Oddity Files. I am... The producer, the editor, the sound guy, all the all the things. Um, and but b- d- before the pandemic happened, all three of us worked for mine and my husband's photo op company, okay. where we would do photo ops at comic cons with the celebrities and their fans. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. which had us all three traveling to all these awesome locations together. So we're like, we'll just stay an extra day. And do an investigation. So, you know, if we were going to be somewhere, I, you know, Google and find out what was available in that area, which afforded us to investigate in Australia, which was absolutely amazing. Oh, wow. Or, or, you know, places within a quick drive um, from Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, I have to tell you, um, I actually run a horror convention of my own. It's called Scaricon. And uh, so, so when you talk about these photo ops and all this stuff, I'm, I, I run one of those businesses, so I'm very familiar with it. Um, and it's a real passion for me as well. They're such a great time. Oh, yeah. I love them so much. I miss them so much. So when you select the site for an investigation, a lot of it seems to be, you know, when you, when you were traveling to a location, you probably did a little research, uh, you know, looked up, you know, top 10 haunted places and wherever this, whatever the place is. Um, was there any specific criteria that you looked for that made you say, ah, this will be a good, this will be a good uh, subject for one of our episodes? Um, if it touts demon activity, I want to go. To prove there's no demons there. Mm-hmm. I like that, and I actually have a question. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna ask it now, but about about that specific type of activity. But I'm I'm really happy to hear you say that too, because it seems, uh, particularly with a lot of the television shows that are trying to get ratings, you know, all of a sudden the plur, uh, proliferation of uh, demonic activity is exploded, and I find that a little funny. Right. I I agree with you one million percent there. Um. So. You just you select a location, you uh, you know you set it up however you have to logistically, but give us a sense of the style of your investigation. When you go to a new location that has reports of paranormal activity, how do you a research it, b um, set up your investigation, and then what do you do once you're inside? We are kind of a fly by your seat of your pants kind of group, so uh, I I do minimal research on it before we go out. We get the tour. Well, Carter and I would take the tour. Clayton wanted to know nothing about the place Mm -hmm. before he would go in. But I wanted to go in. I wanted to know hot spots. I wanted to know previous activity just so I'd know where to focus investigations. Because, you know, you don't want to end up in the janitor's closet if there's, you know, been zero activity reported there. And then we just take out all the equipment, and it's a mad dash all night to, okay, we're going to start here. We're going to bring the spirit box and the odd box. We're going to bring the dowsing rods up there and a flashlight and go. So we 
bring up all the cameras, we set up all the GoPros, and we just walk in and we tell the spirits we're there out of love, light, peace, and positivity. We're not there to hurt them, harm them, or take them away. We just want to hear their story so we can tell the world their story. And it works. Yeah, and I know we've kind of giggled a little bit about this provoke uh, process or this provoking approach to paranormal investigation investigations, but do you see any value in that at all? I don't. I really don't. I will pull out the mommy voice. Like if I'm in a location that's known for people provoking there and supposed to, like we were at one place that allegedly an investigator was thrown across the room. And I'll tell them, I'll say, look, if you give me attitude, I'm going to give you attitude back. And I rarely do. Like the spirit, this specific spirit was known for calling uh, females swear words mm-hmm. that you probably don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, dude, and I will talk to the spirits like that. I'm like, what is your problem with women? And I flat out asked him, I said, what, did your wife cheat on you? And he came back across the spirit box in my odd box and said, yeah, she did. And I said, well, tell me her name. And he said, Penny. And the rest of it was just easy peasy. Hmm. I talked to them like they're people. The um, the idea that um, talking to uh, someone on the other side, a spirit, a ghost, whatever you want to call it, as though they're a person, do you find that that is a disarming tactic for them? I mean, does it does it does it make them less? And it's hard to say because we don't really know for sure, but does it, do you think that right. makes them left standoffish? I do. I mean, it's really, really worked well for me. I, it might be my gift. It might be the fact that I talk to them like a human being. I don't know, but it, it, I've had full-on conversations with spirits that, yeah, I, it's, I, it helps. Have you I think ever? More people should try it. <laughs> have you ever had one of those experiences that you mentioned? You know, and these often uh, seem to be badges of honor for for investigators. I'm not sure why, but where you've been scratched or you've had you know welts. I mean, I've seen all sorts of things from people that have investigated. I'm not always convinced they're paranormal in nature, but have you ever had anything like that happen? I have never had that happen because you're too nice to them. Is that why? <laughs> I, you know what? I don't know that it's paranormal either. Yeah. I'm on that side. Yeah, that's right. That's I, right. If I don't see somebody standing there with their arms sticking out to their sides the entire night and then they have a scratch, right? maybe then I'll believe it. You know, and I'm a complete skeptic who believes. I, I think that's healthy. Uh, one of our, uh, we've had a bunch of questions flowing through our chat room here, and I try to grab them as I as they fit our flow of our conversation here. But one of the questions was, um, what would you say was your creepiest experience on uh, any of your investigations, whether it was for the program or otherwise? So early on, when it was you know me being lead investigator, we decided to go to a jail in Crown Point, Indiana. It's actually the jail that John Dillinger broke out of back in the day, you know, public enemies, all that stuff. And we were in Dillinger's cell block. He's not said to haunt that because, you know, he didn't die there or anything. But there's an old mobster that's supposed to haunt that area. He was Al Capone's hitman. His name was James Fur Sampson. And... Again, this was early on. I was still unsure whether they could hurt me or not, and this one scared me. So, And he kept, by a K2 uh, question-answer session, he was trying to separate me from my group. Not to the other side of the jail or anything like that, but they were in the day room, and then there were bars separating the day room from the hallway. And he just wanted me out in the hallway, and I refused to do it. I was whiny and going, I don't know. And they're looking, my crew's looking at me like, what are you so scared of? I'm like, I don't know. I just don't want to do it. I finally go out, and I'm in the hallway counting to 10 out loud because I'm that scared. Mm -hmm. And then I hear him whisper in my ear. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. And I walk back in. And again, via the K2 and a little obelisk action, Avalis, I'm still a little, I'm not sure if that's really a thing, right. camp on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but come to find out through the K2 meter and Avalis session that I reminded him of someone when he was alive. 
and I was terrified for no reason, and he just really enjoyed me being there because I reminded him of someone named Harriet. Oh. And do you, did you, uh, could you discern what he whispered to you when you were in the hall? I, off the top of my head right now, I can't remember. I'm, I'm Alzheimer's years old. These 50s are killing me, man. I'm just saying. I mean, that's quite an experience to have, and I can understand why yeah. that would be a little unsettling until you were able to resolve it. Um, right. But, yeah. Uh, what about, um, what about, uh, orbs and, and light anomalies. Uh, first of all, what are your thoughts on orbs? I have very strong opinions on them, but I want to hear yours. And um, what are, uh, you know, have you had any instances where you've had any light anomalies that you really were impressed by? Yes. Um, orbs. Always dust to me. Always mm-hmm. dust. Um, or insects. Especially in or insects, absolutely. But, you know, the the average person who's posting in a Facebook group of their cell phone pictures with the camera on, I'm like, girl, dust your house. Um, light anomalies? I'm not sure. I've seen some stuff that makes me go, huh. Um, I've never seen, like, a full-on mist on camera or on any photos I've ever taken. But I've seen oddly shaped light anomalies float and pulsate light. And I'm yeah. not sure what those are. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that when that I'll say when people ask me about orbs, um, just just as you answered, um, almost always. I mean, I, I would say always, but I'll, I'll put a little caveat in there. Almost always dust or insects. But if you can yeah. show me an orb that's emitting its own light, I'll, I'll reconsider that 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 you know statement in that position um because if it's we're on the same page yeah Yeah. if it's generating its own light or something like that then it obviously is something different um i asked you about your creepiest experience what would you say your most prolific investigation was where you actually had the most activity caught the most evidence or maybe you didn't catch it but at least experienced it so this is a, a portion of my book as well, but we went to Fear Factory, which is a haunted attraction in Salt Lake City that on one of those cable shows was known for demon infestation in one of the silos. That silo, that place was a a concrete plant that closed down for a while. Homeless people lived in there before the the haunted attraction people came in and turned it into the Halloween attraction. Um, People were known to die on the train tracks right outside there as well to take their own lives. But we're in this, this is the first time I went in. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in this place that's known for demons because I, I don't think there's demons haunting all these places. And I was a little nervous. Don't get me wrong, because I didn't want to be wrong. But it was the most beautiful spirit box session with a woman named Linda. And I can't imagine any demons named Linda out there anywhere. I don't know. But we had asked them, we're like, so why why does everybody think this place is infested with demons? And they, in turn, told us, that they felt like they had to act that way because that's what the people were looking for. Hmm. Yes. And in the end of it all, we're like, no, 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 no. You, you do you. Don't worry about these people. You know, don't feel like you have to be anything you're not. And Linda came over, same voice, been coming over to the spirit box all night for Linda. And she said, and I get teary-eyed every time I say this, she goes, we are just people. Well, it was beautiful. Yeah. Just beautiful. But, I mean, when we started the investigation in the silo, the spirit box, a deep male voice goes, here it goes. And I go, here what goes? And he goes, demon, devil, demon. De-. And I'm like, okay, look. <laughs> I'm not here looking for demons or devils. I want to talk to you. I want to find out who you are. And, again, maybe it disarms them. And they're like, oh, okay. And they, they told me the real story. We're talking tonight with Kitsy Duncan, paranormal investigator, podcaster, and author, producer, and host of the television show on Amazon Prime called The Oddity Files. Also author of a book called I'd Rather Talk to Dead People, My Journey as a Paranormal Researcher. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, our conversation will continue. Don't go away. It's beyond reality. We have a great night 
of chatting ahead. Looking for our guest's book? Go to Amazon.com slash shop slash JVJTaps. So a lot of great stuff coming up. Be sure to subscribe to us everywhere you can. If you're looking for our Patreon page, it's very simple to find. Just go to Patreon.com slash Joha. That's the name of our production company, J-O-H-A. W Joha. So patreon.com slash Joha. And thank you to everybody that supports us through the Patreon Patreon page. We appreciate it. Another thing I'll remind you of is that we've got a great following on our podcast. We are downloaded five, six thousand, I think we're up to uh times a day, and we appreciate everybody who listens to the program as a podcast. It's a great way to do it. And if you subscribe on your device, whether it's your smartphone or or on your tablet, or whatever it happens to be, it's downloaded automatically when it's posted, and then it's there for you to listen at any point. If you can't join us live, that is a great way, a great way to catch the program. Again, it's available on all major podcast distribution platforms, so thank you for doing that if you're a subscriber. Again, tonight we're talking with paranormal investigator, podcaster, and author Kitsy Duncan, host and producer of the television show on Amazon Prime, The Oddity Files, also an author, book is called I'd Rather Talk to Dead People. Kitsy, um, before we move the discussion onto the book and also the podcast, if people are looking to watch The Oddity Files on Amazon Prime, is there any trick to it? Just go on and search for The Oddity Files? Pretty simple, right? Yep. Just search Oddity Files and it should pop up. It, there's three seasons. I always recommend starting with season three just because my editing got a little better then <laughs> and my sound got a little better then. Then you'll learn to like us and then you won't mind any issues we had in season one. <laughs> if you had to pick out um, an episode or two that you were most impressed with, given you know what you were able to catch, catch on camera or audio or whatever it happens to be and then the way you were able to edit together into a package do you have any favorites bobby mackey's absolutely um and also the mitchell opera house i always forget about that one it's kind of one of the underrated episodes that we have out there where the spirits kind of investigated us because the place had really never been investigated before and when the spirits are asking you questions it's always a good night what do you, uh, what, are those both season three episodes? Yes. Okay, so season three. And I, I noticed in season two, because that's uh, one of the episodes I watched today was in season two, there were six episodes. Is it six for each season? It is, yes. Um, so people could binge watch it, get through it, and they can get all your work uh, in, in a matter of uh, a few nights if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I love doing that. When I watch this stuff, I like to binge watch it. I don't know, I don't know how we lived before binge watching was uh, a thing. Exact same. <laughs> um, let's talk about the podcast. Now, the podcast is of the same name. Is it Oddity Files? It is. It's Oddity Files, the podcast. You know, simple. <laughs> yeah. Is there any difference between the material you present in the podcast versus the television show? Um, like I said, we dive into all sorts of paranormal. So the show started where it was just Clayton and I, and we tell each other creepy stories we find on the internet. I think our very first episode, I did the Loveland Frogman, and he did a haunting, and it just grew from there. However, the band kind of broke up. That was Oddity Files. Clayton has moved on and out to the West Coast, and Carter is kind of doing something with his dad, starting a trucking company. So... Mom's out there trying to figure out how she's going to have ghosts by But it's on the podcast. It's Nick Floyd. And we both kind of have the same outlook on the paranormal to where we don't take it so seriously. So we tell each other creepy stories. We talk about paranormal in the news. But it's it's not so creepy you can't sleep with the lights off at night. Um, I just have to ask because you broke up a little bit there, so I'm not really uh, sure exactly. Oh, what, no, it's okay. It's it's the nature of of you know very few people have landlines anymore, and that's a bit of a bane for people who uh, do radio broadcasts. But it's certainly understandable. Um, you said that Clayton and Carter don't do the podcast with you anymore. Is that what you said? They don't. Um, it was Clayton and I on the podcast, 
Carter Clayton and I on the TV show. So yeah. the TV show as it was is no longer as oh, very, okay. very recently. Oh, I yeah. see. Okay, so because that's what I was a little confused about. You said um, Clayton moved to California or something. So are, are yeah. you are you bringing new a new crew in for the show? I mean, what, what's the plan? Or don't you have one yet? I'm working on that plan right, <laughs> right now. But, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I've, I've gotten down this investigating all these notoriously haunted locations, and I, I, I can get these spirits to talk to me. I think I want to move on to helping people. I want to help people dealing with hauntings either in their home or at work, and, and just kind of like I did myself, learn not to be so scared of it anymore. Right. That's at least my thought pattern where I'm at now. We'll see. So how often is the podcast produced and released? Once a week. Every Friday it comes out wherever you get your podcast. Nice. Okay. Um, I don't know. if you, Should we move on to the book? I mean, it's... it's yeah. uh, Okay. Let's talk about the book then. Now, first thing I have to ask you, the title is uh, pretty clear. Uh, I'd rather talk to dead people. Um, would you, in fact, rather talk to dead people? Yes. People. <laughs> <laughs> People that are still breathing are generally disappointing, whereas the dead are not, at least for me. <laughs> Why'd you decide to write a book about all of this? Uh, you know, I'd, I'd always, when I was in high school back in the 1980-something, I wanted to be Murphy Brown when I grow up. Um, so I, I, I like to write. I like to tell stories. I put that dream away for a little bit, but recently a good friend of mine named Dave Schrader, check him out on the Holter file. I know, I know Dave very, test. very well. I know Dave very well. What an amazing man. Yeah, he's a great guy. What a great guy. Mm -hmm. He sent me a text. He's like, Hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I'm like, um, maybe why? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, cause I got some people. So he hooked me up with beyond the fray publishing and the rest, as they say, is, is history in a little quick read, 150-page book where it's super conversational. I'm a little bit ADHD mixed with OCD, um, but like this conversation I'm having with you, that's how I tell my story. And when, when you t are, is the book your story, or do you tell other people's stories and their experiences? Oh, it's all me. It's me from beginning to end. Um, yeah. So it, it goes into why I got into the paranormal, a little bit more about the history of the house I grew up in and a couple other experiences I had in the house and into deep dive into a couple really prominent investigations for me, which is the Culbertson Mansion, which is season one, episode one. And Bobby Mackey's, which is season three, episode six. So, and little did I know at the time, I, it was kind of my farewell to my crew as well. But I covered our journey with a couple sprinklings in there, you know, before Clayton and Carter came along that just really affected me and got me to this place where I am now, where these feelings I have, where these are just people and they just have stories to tell. When you investigate, what is your preferred toolkit? What what pieces of equipment do you like to have and do you rely on most? Uh, the spirit box. One million. I don't know why it works so well for me, but it does. Whether it's through, um, I use the odd box, which is a, a an amplifier that's got, you know, some tweaks you can do to it. It adds a little bit of reverb, so, you know, it comes out really creepy when it comes out. But even if I use some of the apps that are out there, and I have listened to those apps just play, so I know what kind of sounds they're going to make. But for some reason, I get the evidence that's not, you know, in these pre-recorded apps, like the Portal Plus app is one of my favorites. And... That and the spirit box are my go-tos. I, I, I love an old-fashioned dowsing rod session. They're just so beautiful and so magical and so visual, which is really good when you're filming a TV show. Um, 
What do you think about, you know, just traditional video cameras and uh, standard audio recorders? How important are they in your investigations? I almost never get an EVP on a standard audio recorder. Never. Do you do a lot of EVP sessions, or is that something yeah. that you just don't? Okay. Yeah, we try it at least once at every location we're at. And I even went out to pawn shops to buy, you know, the really old recorders. And we've gotten a couple things here and there, but nothing discernible. It always sounds like just somebody's breathing heavily into a telephone. Um, I don't know. Like like we were talking about earlier, maybe some investigators just have a, a better chance at getting evidence certain ways than other investigators. I don't know why. It, it's kind of a thorn in my side why I can never get an EVP on a digital recorder. There are people that are awfully skeptical about the spirit box, um, given the fact that it uses radio frequencies, scanning, scanning them rapidly. And we all know that even if you just you know sit in your car or whatever and scan the radio dial, you're going to hear people talking. So what do you say to people who take that opinion? Oh, they need to sit down with me and do a spirit box session with me. They really do. (laughs) It's, you know, I set our boxes to scan so quickly that you don't even get a blip from whatever the DJ is saying at that time. Or you, you hear a music beat, but you don't know what song it is. It's like that old TV game show. I can name that tune in. Three notes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that, it's even faster than that. So when you sit there and listen to that, even if you're in a city where you get all these different radio stations, when one voice comes over and says a complete sentence like, we are just people, there's no way that's a radio station. Yeah. There's absolutely no way. When you do the, yeah, no, no, I'm here. When you do the, I'm just, I was thinking about that. When you do the uh, spirit box sessions, obviously you're filming when you, when you're um, creating an episode for this show, uh, but do you always record them? Yes. Yes, we do. And then do you go back through them and reanalyze and reassess what you caught? Oh, absolutely. Nine, you know, about 50% of the time we actually understand what they're saying at the time. Um, I wish it was every single time. And over time, I've gotten better at understanding, which really came in handy when my grandson was learning to talk because I could understand him when nobody else could. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a great skill to have, for sure. I, so I've got I've got to ask more about the Frank's, Frank's box here because um, you know there are different versions of it and uh, different different styles. Um, is there any one? I mean, you, you kind of mentioned what you like to use. Uh, is that a specific uh, version of the of the of the spirit box, or is that something that you created? No, it's the SB seven I buy on Amazon. Okay, okay, yeah. And I also know you use a K two meter. I've heard you talk about that. Yeah, I haven't much lately because of cell phones and every you know just right. Wi Fi. I really feel like it messes with them more than when I first started this. Have you heard of? Or did you see any of uh, uh, the Amazon show uh, Hellier? I have not. Um, have you heard about the what they call the Estes method for a spirit box session? Oh, I love the Estes method. It's so magical. So you so that you have have you have you tried it? Do you do that? Yes, yes. There were you know I like I said we're fly by the seat of our pants kind of um, investigating while we were doing it. There were mm-hmm. two locations that I know we got some maybe three great evidence off it. One of them was in Australia um, in one of the jail cells. We got to know one of the ex prisoners there, and at Bobby Mackey's actually in the basement where all those demons are supposed to be. We had a conversation with some children down there, which was slightly concerning um, because what are they doing down there? But it was actually a, a really beautiful session. And then in another school that was turned into like uh, production studios in Illinois, we had a great Estes session in there as well. Now, for our listeners uh, who don't know what we're talking about when they when we say the Estes method for a spirit box session, um, 
you can uh, describe it if you want, uh, Kitsy or I will. It doesn't matter. I mean, why don't you go ahead and tell people what it is? Yeah, you fill in the blanks if I'm leaving anything out. Sure. So you take the SB7 Spirit Box and you plug it directly into your noise-canceling headphones. Either you can wear a blindfold or have the person who's asking the questions for you in another room. So you don't want to cheat and try and figure out what they're saying. You're focusing on what's coming over on that sound coming over in your ears. And whatever you hear that sounds discernible, you say it out loud. And in the other room is where your co-investigator is asking questions and it's really super rewarding and amazing when you watch the film later when you're the one that's under and you're literally answering the questions that your co-investigator is asking in the other room. Yeah, and the and the intention here is to avoid contamination um, from the person who is interpreting what they're hearing on the spirit box mm-hmm. by knowing what the questions are. I mean, when in a normal spirit box session, you'll ask the question and then wait for the wait to see if you hear an answer. And you could be influenced by the fact you know what the question is and hear what you want to hear. So it's an effort to remove that from the process. Um, I do want to ask you about demonic and negative entities. Um, I think you take a really healthy, skeptical approach to that. Uh, you know, 99.9% of this is not that. But do you think they exist in some cases? You know, I, I'd i have to see it to believe it. I think it it goes back to the Warrens. I love them. I appreciate everything they did for this this industry, if you will. But I believe that their devout Catholicism led them to believe that anybody that wasn't an angel in heaven was a demon. And I get that, and it makes sense for how they were raised and how they they practiced their religion. But I think it just kind of still stems from that, and I think it it gets ratings on TV. Yeah, I think that's the big one. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago there was some special about a live exorcism on television. And this is just stuff. I mean, if it's truly a possession, you're not, you shouldn't be messing around with it for entertainment purposes. I just, no. I just have a real problem with that. Um, we only have a few more minutes with you here, but I want to, I want to go over maybe your, your wish list of places that you haven't been able to investigate yet, but want to, what's, what makes the top of that list? The white house. I want to talk to Abraham Lincoln. That would be so cool. Wouldn't it? That would be amazing. Right? <laughs> That would be really, really amazing. What about a place like Ford's Theater? I mean, that would be kind of cool, too. I don't know you know, where Abraham Lincoln spends his time now, but uh, I imagine there might be some energy there, too. Oh, yeah. Ford's Theater would be very cool. I'd love to do Alcatraz. I'd love to do the Winchester Mystery House. Yeah. Uh, the Tower of London is hashtag goals for me as well. Last night, we had a guest on, um, Cleet Keith, who's re- written a book recently, just released on Halloween, actually, called Ghosts of Greystone. Have you heard of the Greystone Mansion in Beverly Hills? No, but now I want to go there. Yeah, I hadn't either. And, um, you know, I had an hour to talk with him last night, and uh, it sounds like a really, really amazing place with uh, an incredible history and uh, a lot of uh, very interesting paranormal activity reported there. So that that's uh, that's a new one on my list. Let's go. All right. So what what's next on your plate here? You, there's some there's some uncertainty with the oddity files, right? Uh, as far as the TV portion, you're working on that. There is. You're working on I that. Am. You're now an author. Uh, you might even be have your sights on another book. I don't know. What do you have going on next for us? Um, right now, it's um, I'm trying to figure out. I actually um, have a couple friends' houses that are having some issues with spirits. I'm going to go check that out and give this whole helping people, you know, and talking to real life people as well as spirits being a try. Um, I'd love to write another book, but, you know, I've got to get out there and I've got to have those experiences before I do that. And I, I honestly, I just can't wait to see what's next. I, my mother always said when I was growing up, you know, honey, whatever you do, nothing is ever going to surprise me. Well, I'm still trying to surprise her. <laughs> I have to ask you, speaking of surprises, we haven't mentioned it at all, but you do have uh, some acting credits to your name, too, right? Do you still do acting? I do. Um, I'm really bad at it. That's why I don't talk about it very often. I'm actually uh, 
in a movie coming up playing a psychic medium. So at least, oh, cool. you know, it's not like a stretch for acting for me. Um, so, yeah, it's I, and I have some uh, indie horror friends in Indiana as well. I'll pop into something they have going on as well. It's just fun. It keeps me busy. It is a lot of fun. Kitsy, thank you so much for being with us tonight. We appreciate your time and and loved uh, hearing your perspective on all of this. Best of luck with all your projects. Please make sure you let us know what you have going on because we'd love to have you back sometime. Absolutely. If anybody wants to find all of my stuff, it's flow.page slash Kitsy Duncan. Everything's on there. And that's flow, F-L-O-W, flow.page slash Kitsy Duncan, right? Yes, sir. All right, awesome. Again, thanks for being here. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, thanks so much. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.